Chapter 6, Formula for Fear When Captain Quelch had gone, Mr. Karakwazian asked the Rose why her words had so hurt their visitor. He has no soul of his own, she said. He must leech from others. For all his fine words, he is a scavenger, like any who sail with the singularity. They have no business here. They grow too bold. They are attracted by death. They are carrion. This planet is near its end, I think. Jack Karakwazian was taken back by her venomous eloquence. He is your enemy, then. He has made himself my enemy. I sought no quarrel with Captain Quelch or his damned twin. There are two of them. Two? Oh no, Jack, more than two. We will take that in its best order, shall we? Synchronisation is the key to harmonic scale, like putting each line in play. Believe me, Jack, our passatiempo there is easier than any ordinary day's game of pretty beginners at the terminal. It's only that the stakes are different. Are they all white, like Quelch, those we play against? Some aren't, but they happen to be people who elected to make themselves conquerors of the second ether. The rest of us were merely glad to be granted its beauty. What's wrong with them wanting to conquer you? Jack Karakwazian felt antagonism. Do you not represent chaos and the destruction of all sentience? Does not the singularity represent law in a secure, simple, predictable society, unthreatened by chance? What does the singularity represent? The unromantic desires of the common folk for a hearth, a home, and children. This is the reality of the common dream which the romantic denies. What am I to believe, Rose? Am I given no arguments that I can grasp, no familiar maps? Show me how it's played and you know I'll join any game you like. But don't ask me to play blind, or against my own people, or against God. You won't do that, will you? I said it to you one way. She was patient. But I'll say it to you your way, too, if it suits you. It's an honest game I'll be offering, Jack, with honest winnings. And I promise I'll scroll the whole thing to you before I ask you to sit down at a table with me. You won't ever be playing blind, Jack. He accepted her word and considered the events. Somehow Captain Quelch's visit had confirmed an instinctive understanding that Jack Karakwazian's interests were linked with those of the Rose. Quelch represented something cold and loathsome in the lower levels of the human psyche. Something greedy and unwholesome. Something devolving which served only the cause of the old hunter, which eternally plotted the reduction and ultimate destruction of the human spirit. Why did you not tell me more of this earlier, Rose, he said. I could reasonably suspect manipulation on your part. I am averse to being manipulated. If you say your game is straight, I'll take your word, but I'll admit I'm having trouble doing it. It gives me trouble keeping my oath, she says. I keep it anyway. I was waiting for my Sam Oakenhurst to arrive so he might tell you in words you'd best understand. I'm not keeping secrets from you that will affect your actions, Jack, I promise. You can decide each play as we go. I don't even ask you to commit to the game of time. No mortal soul could reasonably do that for long. To guard against insanity, we play together and we play in turns. And we make ourselves forget that we play at all. Don't pity yourself too profoundly, my dear. At least your true love's safe and sound, while I've no notion who or what has claimed the soul of mine. He was grateful for the reminder of his manners. He had been ungentlemanly.
He would advertise his petty feelings no longer. He felt he needed a good hand to play and an opponent like Sam Oakenhurst or Mistress Mint, whom he also loved and who, for all her outward disapproval and even disappointment in him, had cared deeply for him and played a wise game. Almost as wise as Kalinda de Veros, thought Mr. Karakwazian, and was glad to remind himself of what he stood to gain from this. But then he frowned and shook his head. Mistress Mint? Surely she had been nothing more than his invention in the long game of Bluff the Shades he had played in Alexandria, even before he took the schooner for Atlantic City. For the first time since he had put himself in the Rose's hands, Jack Karakwazian became afraid. Chapter 7. Sky Pilot Cowboy Sam Oakenhurst met Jack Karakwazian on Goodnight Street, just below the old covered Marche Blanc, where few respectable people ever ventured, even in New Orleans. It was where the whiteys found their whores. Daylight murder had become common above Rampart. The curfew applied even at these edges of the quarter. You're looking well, Jack, said Sam Oakenhurst, your old self. I'm feeling it, Sam. Mr. Oakenhurst's irony, if that is what it was, he offered without inflection. His face was changed beyond recognition. He held out a hand. The thin bones had been broken and reset, then broken and reset again, each time adding or growing new bone until they were twice the length of the originals, and had become what the Machinois considered handsome. His face, which had been the subject of a score of eccentric surgical exercises or rituals, now had the cadaverous appearance of a long-dead goat, yet retained a certain sad beauty reflecting much of what Jarek Karakwazian knew of his friend's character. It cost him some self-control to shake the offered hand. It was like shaking hands with the old hunter himself. I hear you're in town with the rose, said Sam Oakenhurst. They didn't know where you were staying. I thought she said she'd meet me at the terminal. Aldebon, says Jack Karakwazian, same as always. I remember. My memory ain't what it was, though, Jack. Mine neither, Sam. It's good to see you. You recognised me? Right away, Sam. Mr. Oakenhurst sighed with relief. Now, then maybe she will, too. Chapter 8, Kit Carson's Perilous Ride The Rose had played many scenarios and so had not been overly disturbed by Sam Oakenhurst's appearance. She, like Jack Karakwazian, had a habit of looking at the bones first. The essence of her Sam was still there as strong as ever, she thought, beneath all that tortured muscle and sinew, which had been blessed by the most skilled knives among his machinois kin. She kissed him. He tasted at her like a man unsure whether he embraced a mirage. Mon grâce, moi rose, mio darling. I've dreamed of this for a thousand years. Jack Karakwazian went into the courtyard to stand by the old fountain which had always been dry. He lit a rare Romeo e Julieta and, looking up, Searching among the heavy, hot clouds for the stars, New Orleans gave him the shivers. Outside the mechanish squeaked and gibbered, parting the crusty smoke and uttering that foul, flowing green, viscous stuff they used for light. Jack Karakwazian was glad he had eaten little and early, 
it was impossibly hard to make sense of the events of the last hours. Oh, Piero, mon brave mon beau, sang the rose in Jack Caracuasi, and was reminded how he had meant to come to Calinda de Vero, purified by some spectacular heroism, some deed of mighty self-sacrifice. Instead, he had learned only how to accept forgiveness. There had to be more. He would earn her love, he thought. In his heart, he already knew that love is rarely earned, but given freely and without hesitation, one soul to another with little logic or sense. It was for love of himself that he yearned for heroism. He was reminded of his purpose in being here, of what Kalinda de Vero had offered if he followed the rose, and his warmth towards Captain von Beck grew stronger again. Now, he assumes, they would all be on their way to Natchez. Do we have another meat boat, Sam? She wanted to know. I could not fairly ask for that. When they offered me my car uh, then they offered me my caravel. I am not sure of it. They understand my goals and are glad of them. I took the many turns of the eternity cushions and the shutter boxes before they fully understood my needs and rose to fulfil them. In their own fashion, of course, which I in turn now understand. They insisted on preparing me for my journey. They have passed everything they know of the second ether into me. They too have been players in the game of time, but have exhausted it, and been exhausted by it. They are the missing fishlings, some say. He became self-conscious. Or, at least that's how the chaos engineers see things. I suppose you don't look at that trash, do you, Jack? I am unfamiliar with your pseudo-Vs, nor do I collect their originals clearly. My childhood was full of Alibaba and those wonderful historical soaps for which Egyptians were justly envied. These are like creatures from the barbaric past, from the time of the pharaohs. Jack Karakwazian was puzzled by his friend's unfading intensity. But I've heard of the one named the merchant adventurer, Pearl Peru, who, for she came calling on me once or twice at the terminal when I was in no mood for visitors. He did not mention Captain Quouch. Pearl Peru herself. You are greatly honoured, Jack. She's one of the noblest and most beautiful of all of the paladins of chaos. She is a paragon, Jack. Her only weakness is her kindly, trusting heart. Sam, says the Rose, laughing. Those characters from your V magazines are of no interest to Jack. When those characters come a-visiting, Rose, as they seem to be doing fairly frequently, I believe them to be of some interest, says Mr. Karakwazian. Sometimes I have the notion that we are all trapped in a bad game of old Tom's last roll. There's something happening to the rules. Not yet, Jack, says the Rose. But we are playing for time. There wasn't much of an answer. There's a man in Gulfport selling a boat that might suit us, says Sam. We could ride over and look at her. Then if we like her, it's a short haul to the fault. Does she have to have sails, Rose? It makes no difference, says the Rose, so long as she steers and moves, I can probably sail her. I'm getting used to those currents. This here's a paddle wheeler, I guess. All the better, she says, I prefer a little steam. Let's go, says Jack Karakwazian, anxious to put at least the ambiguities of New Orleans behind him. But Sam Oakenhurst must know that what Pearl Peru said and what she had looked like was her body covered in multicoloured skins which moved over it like living things. Did the ether dust pour continuously from her helmet and nostrils? 
Unfortunately, on the occasions that the lady called, says Jack Caraquazian, I was otherwise engaged and could not meet her. To tell you the truth, Sam, I was weary of strangers just then. I had some thinking to do. Sam Oakenhurst's long upper lip almost trembles with disappointment and turns away to recover himself. There have been periods, he says by way of apology, when only those melodramas saved me from madness. But perhaps I wasn't saved from madness after all. Jack Caraquazian puts his hand on his friend's arm. Chapter 9. Pilgrim from Tombstone Boudreaux Ramsadine was surprised when the three returned to the terminal cafe and sat down at the back bar near the stage. It's a real pretty boat, he said. What you mean to do with her out this way, mon amis? He was nervous. It was his nature to create as much stability on his premises as was possible, and he disliked talk of expeditions into the fault. He had already heard a version of Sam Oakenhurst's voyage into Ketchup Cove. He desired no trouble of that sort. You staying long, Jack? He wanted to know. Not long, said Mr Caraquazian, and made a reassuring gesture. We ain't going through the fault now. We're going back up to the river. There's been a change of ideas. Somehow the machinois had contacted Sam Oakenhurst on the journey from Gulfport and warned them that the fault was now dangerous to them. A kind of trap, they said. They had advised the trio to take the big flat-bottomed double-wheeler upriver and sail her to St. Louis where they would find an entrance to the second ether which would accept the boat, La Pearl de Suède, whose wheel the rose had quickly mastered. So there she was, freshly painted, moored beside the terminal where the old pier once stood, while Boudreaux Ramsadine, learning the good news that they were going on, welcomed them loudly with generous relief. He offered them his best. He had a new cook from the city who would work only in the dark. He's blind, mon dieu, and ugly, poof, mama del god. But it is pure Cajunish. You'll take some sup, mes amigos. He smacked his lips and kissed his fingers, ogling them like an old husband. Later, when they had gorged on the blind chef's magic, Boudreaux sat back from the table and offered the opinion that it was getting close to their end. Either that or we're going to be free again. What you think, Jack? Free again, says Mr. Caraquazian. Free at last. What's the point of expecting anything else? Well, that's you, Jack, but my guess is it's finis this time. Mr. Caraquazian shrugged. He had taken liberally, liberally from the frum. Who knows, mon ami? Dansons, dansons. Make that squeeze box stir us all, mes amigos. Hola, Patrick. The antelope upon your auto-harp, if you please. We have here all the power you'll ever know or need. The musicians grinned uneasily through the fluttering shadows. Jolly boys, I'll just say. Pretty amigos. Bon temps, bon temps. Regarde, elle role. Play, my brothers, play. Tonight at last I am ready to dance, and then with the rose on his arm, he stepped upon the floor, all poised and alive with danger. But it was Kalinda de Vero he saw as they danced. God is life ruled by a moral principle, and the devil is death ruled by mere appetite, 
says Jack Karakwazian to Kalinda de Vero. There are, however, many states between the god and the devil. They dance together on the deck of the Etoile du Mives, while Mr. Piter plays dobro and guitar and sweet Steve. The blind kiddikin runs his ghostly fingers over the buttons of his snaking squeeze box, playing all the grand old two-steps. Kalinda de Vero sings in his ear, Oh joy, oh joyeux embracero, mon beau mon brave, dancing till the end of time. And there would never be, could never be, another Jack Karakwazian, she sings. Her Jack Karakwazian. He hunts for souls, says Jack. He hunts for yours and mine, that's what he feeds on. And the night currents of the Mississippi swim in the guttering lamps of the boat and reflect the mosquito candles in their little glass cages, dissipating the shadows of passengers, taking an evening promenade as the great paddles lazily push them upriver. The pilot calls a halloo to invisible acquaintances along the sandbars. The boat heads for the broader waters above Oak Tree. Bats swarm suddenly in the darkening air, fleetingly framed against the great round disk of a sun bleeding like a ruby into a horizon where cypresses and pines and silhouette seem to spell a prophecy in an unknown alphabet, stinking of some richer yesterday. And when the dancing was done, they had taken their own stroll upon the deck, passing Oak Tree Levee, invisible to port, and hearing the whiteys singing plaintive laments of wounded pride and cheating lovers, of lost power and paradise to the strumming of primitive guitars. She had been moved by the sadness of the sound, that constant underlying elegy of defeat, and had wept for a moment before embracing him. It is the first time Boudreaux Ramsadine has seen any of the three on the floor. He is surprised at what graceful dancers they all are. Handsome Jack Karakwazian. Exquisite Rose von Beck. Cadaverous Mr. Oakenhurst. It is as if legends have come to an ordinary dance hall. But other dancers are inhibited, not by the skill of the three Yugadors, but by the willingness of myths to take the common floor. Eventually the music recovered its confidence and the fiddle player came in. The ope grew thick and measures became familiar in spite of the flourishes. The others returned to the dance until all were making their wild points and elaborate turns amongst those terrible shadows, leaping as the flames of the fault leapt, uncertain and unafraid. Only when the dancing went on without cease did Boudreaux come to realise that this was their true farewell. It was, he guessed, how they honoured him. They were making the most of their days of life. When they went back to the boat, they would begin a voyage from which, no matter what else occurred, they would never return. <laughs>